Our scripture reading comes from Proverbs 10, 17 to 20, and 15, 1 through 4. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of the fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Becca is an Ohio State fan, so I'm glad that she still has a voice today after a football game yesterday. Let's pray. Father, just we're so thankful uh, to be here, Lord. We're thankful that um, for your promises that say that um, when we are gathered together, your presence is with us, but also the promise that when we read and reflect on your word, uh, that you take it and you shape and mold our hearts and our lives by it. That's something that we can't do on our own, Lord. Uh, We can't always take the words and and drive them deep into our hearts and souls. So we pray that you would do that, that we would encounter you through your word, we would encounter you through this discussion of wisdom, Father, ultimately that you would draw us closer to you, that you would help us to have have an honest look at ourselves, an honest look at reality, and an honest uh, view of who we are and who you are. So we pray that you would do that in our midst this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you've been with us uh, for the past couple weeks, you'll know uh, that we have been looking at this idea of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Uh, we know that wisdom is, is different than knowledge, right? We've all, we all know really, really smart people that we would never characterize as wise. So wisdom is, is this kind of interweaving of life, of life experience, and of knowledge in a beautiful way uh, that helps us to wisely live life. But one of the things we've also seen is that wisdom uh, is, is, is discovered in an intimate relationship with the very source of wisdom, and that is God. Over the past couple of weeks, we've, we've looked at this, this book of Proverbs, and we've seen how Proverbs is really a, a book that's written from a father to a son. It's like an intimate conversation that we get to look into, an intimate family conversation where a father really is pleading with his young son at an intimate point in his life, pleading his young son to follow the path of wisdom, to live a life that is wise, or to walk along the right path. But something else is, is also going on here in the book of Proverbs beyond just our ability to look into an intimate family discussion because it has great meaning for us too. There's a self-reflective nature that ought to come with each one of us as we read this book and as we think about wisdom. It means something to us too. And what it wants us to do is ask the simplest of all questions. Proverbs wants us to to ask ourselves, are we wise? 
is the wisdom and, and the characteristics of wisdom that are described in this book true of us. It wants us to, to look at ourselves and ask, are we wise people? So whenever you ask a question like that, you have to look at your life. You have to examine it. And you almost always start to think about evidence. What is the evidence in my life of this thing called wisdom? And Proverbs and really all of scriptures want us to see that wisdom or the characteristics of wisdom are best evidenced in our speech. They're best evidenced in our words. In fact, if you look through the book of Proverbs, there are over 150 references to our words that connect this idea of wisdom to the words that come out of our mouth. So this morning what I'd like to do before we come to the Lord's table is just look real quickly at this connection between the concept of wisdom and our words. The first thing that Proverbs tells us is something that is intuitive to all of us. It tells us that our words have great and tremendous power. Our words have great power. Uh, We all know tragically that over a month ago, I guess it's been now, uh, the actor Robin Williams took his own life. So many uh, networks, in order to honor him, have been rebroadcasting a lot of his movies. So you get to kind of watch his life through the movies that, that he's done. And, and one of my hands-down favorite Robin Williams movie ever is Dead Poets Society. It was one of, I think it was done early in his career. And sure enough, the other night, it was on. It was on heavy rotation. So I caught about 15 or 20 minutes of it. And if you've never seen the movie, it's a great one. But it's a story about uh, Robin Williams playing an English teacher at a prestigious all-boys school. And he has an unorthodox method of teaching English literature to these young boys. And there's this one beautiful scene where uh, the boys enter into the class all reserved and ready for a a very standard class. And he tells the boys, all right, it's time to huddle up. And they all look at each other wondering what he's going to do. So he gets them all gathered together in a circle. And he starts talking about the beauty of poetry, the beauty of words. And one of the famous lines of that movie is he looks at these boys in their eyes and he says, words and ideas can change the world. Words and ideas can change the world. And of course, we all know that intuitively to be true. We all know that words have incredible power for both good and for evil. We've all seen news stories where one world leader in, in, in one part of the world just says an off-handed comment and it sends another part of the world in chaos and in turmoil. Words have incredible power and that's very true today. But in reality, it's always been true. Even from the very beginning, words have always had tremendous power. It's not by accident that the book of Genesis, in the very first chapter, when it describes the creation of the world, the book of Genesis is careful to say that God said, let there be. They want us to understand that the very words out of God's mouth had incredible power. Those words were the very instrument that created our world. And of course, it's not surprising, just a few chapters later... That when sin entered the world through the sin of Adam and Eve, the first evidence of that sin came in the form of words. 
It came when Adam and Eve began to blame one another for their sin and to speak deceptively to God about what happens. You see, their sin was immediately evidenced in their words and in their speech. It's no surprise that throughout the entire Old Testament, through the mouth of prophets, God spoke about how one day he would come and make right all the things that had gone wrong in the world. And they spoke this message of salvation to the people. And of course, that message we know was ultimately realized when Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. We see all throughout the scripture that words have tremendous power. But part of the thing that makes them so powerful is their inherent ability to reveal the heart. They have great power to reveal the heart, really in a way that nothing else does. And Proverbs continually makes the point that if you want to understand the character or the nature of another person, or if you want to understand the character or very nature of yourself, then all you have to do is examine your words. Because a man's words are the very fruit of his soul. Jesus said this. He echoes a, a, a proverb in Proverbs chapter 12 when he says that out of the abundance, the heart of, out, of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whenever we kind of thoughtfully look at wisdom, whenever we thoughtfully look at the book of Proverbs, we have to ask ourselves some tough questions. We have to ask ourselves, what do our words say about the character of our heart? What do they say about the character or quality of our wisdom? So then the book goes on to describe things about what wise words are. It talks about how there are certainly foolish words that are out there, but there's also a character or a nature to wise words as well. The first thing we see is it says that wise wise words are few. Wise words are few. It says in Proverbs 10, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It says in Proverbs 13, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You see, a wise, word, a wise person recognizes the strength of their words. They recognize that when they open their mouth, it's almost as if they are opening a cage and letting a tiger loose. So self-control looks like keeping our words few. Wisdom looks like keeping our words few. A foolish, or a foolish person is naive about the power of words, so they open their mouths and speak a lot. And the, their, the destructive ability of those words runs rampant in our culture and in our world. This is very, this is very true in Solomon's day when he, when he wrote these words, but how more true are they even today? When we have the ability to say things or to write things that can then be transferred across the world. We've talked about this here at church before that, that with, the, with social media and the ability of social media now, we can say words that will last forever. Some out there, uh, some out, out there somewhere in the internet world or the blogosphere or whatever it might be. In fact, you, you know that anytime somebody applies for a job... What is the first thing 
their potential employer looks at now. They look at their Facebook page. They look at their Twitter page. And and what's scary about that is that words that we could have said 10 years ago can then come back and haunt us as people. Never has this idea of wisdom and words been more necessary or more true. Never has it been more important for us to choose our words. Because of that, Solomon says, let your words be few. Wisdom leads to few words. But the other thing it says is that wise words speak truth. Wise words speak truth. I don't know if you pay attention to the sports world, but there was an interesting story that happened this week uh, on the uh, USC, University of Southern California, football team. Uh, One of their star cornerbacks came to practice on Monday and he had injured both of his ankles. And of course, the team was very upset that their star cornerback had injured his ankles. And they said to him, what, what happened to your ankles? And he said, well, I, I was on the second floor balcony of an apart, apartment complex. And I noticed down at the pool below that my seven-year-old nephew was drowning. So I did what any good person did. And I jumped from that balcony to save my nephew from drowning. And it was this great story where, yes, he was injured, but at least it was in an incredible, heroic way in which he rescued his nephew. And then on Wednesday, the truth came out. Well, at least partially the truth came out. We still don't know what actually happened, but we did discover that actually he was lying the whole time. It reminded me of Proverbs 12 that says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. You've heard us talk about A.J. Jacobs. He's, a, he's an author for Esquire magazine. And what he does is he do, goes on different experiments and then writes about his experiments uh, in these very interesting articles in Esquire magazine from time to time. And he decided that he wanted to write an article on radical honesty. He had recognized in a self-reflective moment that he often lies a lot. Not big lies, not monumental lies, but little things that he says from time to time. Oh, I'm too busy to do this or that when really he doesn't want to. And he recognized that there are little lies that tend to characterize his life. So he decided, I'm going to try radical honesty for a little bit. I'm going to try for a period of time to be as radically honest as I can be. And then I'm going to write an article about it. Well, after his experiment, he wrote this article, and the article is called, I Think You're Fat. And he said that instantly, after he had begun this, writing this article, he regretted what he had done. He regretted this, uh, this experiment to say anything that popped into his head. He regretted doing this radical honesty because his approach was really an unfiltered approach to honesty. He said it was really hard for his marriage too. You see, Proverbs advocates for truthfulness. It says that wise words are true words, but it advocates for a very thoughtful truthfulness. A truthfulness that seeks to build others up with our words. So it says that wise words are truthful words, but it even takes it a step farther. It says that wise words are true words, but also wise people are willing to accept true words from others. 
It recognizes that each and every one of us have all sorts of blind spots that we don't even realize and that we need one another to speak into each other's lives. Proverbs 17, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a a fool. You see, incidentally, this is why we need each other. This is why we so desperately need an intimate community of faith. So many people have, have thought that church is purely this kind of spectator activity that we go to on Sunday mornings and we just participate and leave. But that's never, well, that was never God's design for what church is all about. God designed church to be about an intimate community that cares deeply for one another. An intimate community that has permission to know one another and to be known. That has permission to speak truth into each other's lives because we so desperately need that. I can't tell you how often Beck and I look at one another, we'll look at, talk, uh, have this conversation with one another where we observe another person or another couple and we talk about something we've observed in them and we sit there and say, how could they be so blind to this in, our, in their lives? And then we look at one another and say, well, if they're so blind to that in their lives, what's true about our lives that we are absolutely blind to? And everybody else can observe so clearly. See, this is why we need each other so desperately. We need the ability to speak truth into each other's lives. And a wise person not only speaks that truth, but also accepts it. But of course, our truth speaking must always, always, always be tempered by love. And this is why Solomon also tells us that wise words... They're not just truthful words, but wise words are gentle words. Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs talks about how the fool talks a lot, but also that the fool's words are harsh. They are difficult and says in chapter 12, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is often a very hard distinction for us to try to figure out. What's it, what does it look like for us to be truthful but also not to be harsh? What's it like for us to be truthful but also to do it in a loving and gentle way? And sometimes that's a very hard thing to decipher. But when we look for examples, we have to look no further than Jesus Christ our Savior. Who is the perfect balance between speaking truth but also doing it in a gracious and loving way? There's an incredible passage in John chapter 8 where the, where the gospel writer tells us that Jesus is sitting in the temple with his disciples and they're just sitting there, and all of a sudden a crowd enters the temple. And what they immediately realize is when this crowd, this loud crowd, enters the temple, they're bringing in, in their midst, a woman. ...who had been caught in the very act of adultery. They're ready to stone her. They're ready to kill her. They're screaming out words of judgment. And they go before Jesus and they say to Jesus... ...Jesus, what are we supposed to do with this woman? The law says that we should stone her for her adultery. So what do you say that we do? And of course, the gospel writers say... ...Jesus just began writing in the dirt with his finger... 
So the crowd presses him more in their, in their harsh language, saying, Jesus, it's time for us to stone this woman. It's time for us to judge her. So then Jesus gently looks up and says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And the gospel writers tell us that each and every one of them gradually dropped their stones and walked away. So that the only person that was left was this woman who'd been caught in her sin. So Jesus looks up at her and says gently in love, has no one condemned you? And she says, my condemners have all gone. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. You see, Jesus didn't minimize the truth. He didn't minimize her sin. Instead, he met her in her most vulnerable and broken moment with the gentle healing words of forgiveness. Proverbs chapter, chapter 15 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. It brings us to our last and probably most fundamental point about wise words, and that is wise words have the ability to bring life. Chapter 16, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You see, wise words have this incredible ability to bring life. Think about times where you were most vulnerable, times where you were most discouraged, times where you were beset with anxiety and someone entered into your life and spoke words of life to you. And it changed everything. Chapter 12, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. If wise words bring life, we also know the converse has to be true as well. That foolish words have the ability to bring death. Think of all the destruction that has been caused by, by whispering, by gossips, by rumors, by innuendos, by flattery. It's why Proverbs concludes its almost entire book-long discussion about words by saying this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love will eat its fruit. So Solomon wants his son to see, and he wants us to see as well, that wise words are few, that they speak the truth, that they are gentle, and that they have the incredible power to bring life and death. And in so doing, Proverbs gives us very practical means, very practical evidence that helps us discover whether we are wise or not. But all this isn't just true on a very practical level, but it's also true on a deeply spiritual level as well. Because in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, we are told the truth. It doesn't allow us to deceive ourselves about the nature of ourselves or the nature of our world. It tells us the truth. It tells us that we are broken. It tells us that we've rebelled against a most high God. And because of that, we are deserving of his judgment. It truthfully tells us that there's nothing that we can do to earn our way back to God. But it tells us that God became one of us. It tells us that the word became flesh and he did it in order to rescue us from our sins. And the gospels tell us that on that day when he hung on the cross, those that had gathered around him mocked him with 
their words. But instead, he cried out to the Father and said, It is finished. And because he uttered those words, he made it possible for you and I to experience life. He made it possible for us to be invited by faith to receive his gift of grace. And the gospel tells us that when we accept that gift by faith, when we receive that gift of grace, God speaks words of life into our dead and broken souls in such a way that we come to life. Know that God stands ready to speak those words of life and love into your dead soul. Just as he gently spoke those words of life to that woman who was caught in sin, that woman who was in her most vulnerable and weak moment, he stands ready to speak those words into your life as well. Words that remove the burden of sin and death that exist in our hearts. But also know on a very practical level that a life that's committed to following him, a life that's lived in relationship with him is a life that pursues wisdom. And and that has everything to do with our words. It's a reminder to all of us that our wisdom is best evidenced in the words that come out of our mouths. Because after all, death and life are in the power of the tongue.